0: 1 Samuel chapter 30, we were there last week, and uh, we'll turn there again this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to read from verse 1 uh, through to verse 8. Verse 1 through to verse 8, 1 Samuel and chapter 30. Let's just pray together that the Lord would bless his word. Amen. Father, this morning we give you thanks. We praise you for your great name, and we thank you, Lord, that in that name we come this morning to ask for your help and for your anointing to be upon your word. Lord, we're praying, O God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning, stir our hearts afresh, anoint us to both preach and to hear your precious word. Lord, undertake for us today, Lord. We pray against every distraction, every work of the enemy. Every power of darkness that would seek to come to steal the precious truth. Lord, that seed, Lord, that you want to plant in our hearts today to bring forth much fruit. Lord, would you undertake, Lord, that thy word will not return unto your void. It will accomplish what that has been sent to do. And so, Lord, we give you the glory this morning and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said it. Amen. Praise the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning to read at verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee bring me hither the Ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him and said, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail you will recover all. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word to your hearts this morning. Can I have your attention? Just important. Just keep our focus on the word of the Lord this morning and just settle our hearts as we come to God's word. If I could ask just for the moving about, just to settle down this morning and everyone come focused on God's word. Just give ear to the word of the Lord this morning just for a few moments. David's brokenness is seen here. Uh, If we look at it there in verse four, it says, Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, Until they had no more power to weep. Anybody ever been in that place? Just come to a place where you're entirely broken. Entirely at a place of of deep distress and brokenness. at what is happening in your life. I think most people in this room this morning will have come at some point in their life. To a place like that. You know the Bible says it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. In other words, trials and troubles come to every single home there is in this country this morning. So we come to places. We see David's brokenness. He's come to a place where he has no more power to weep. He's come to a place of utter brokenness. We also see David's distress. It tells us that he was greatly distressed for the men that were with him. The men that were with him, they speak of stoning David There was a place that they'd come to in their journey of faith in God that David was completely broken and David was in complete distress at the things that were happening around him. How many people have been in a place like that before? And many people in this room, let's be honest this morning, you've come to a place where you're completely broken and completely distressed at the events that have happened in your life. But I want you to note something here. It's important that David had a confidence in God. It tells us here that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now it's important this morning how many people have a God that they serve. How many people believe that Jesus is the Lord? How many people know him as their own and their personal saviour this morning? Well, it tells us here that David began to encourage himself in the Lord his God. And I want to ask you the question this morning in this life that we live and the troubles that come to our lives. How does a man or a woman encourage themselves in the Lord their God? How do you do that? Practically this morning, I want to share with you and encourage you this morning... Because trials come, valleys come, difficulties come, brokenness comes, distress comes, a phone call comes, can change a household in a second. News can come from a doctor in a moment sitting in a surgery that transforms your life. You can go through your day get a get a message from someone and suddenly you're plunged into deep distress. You're at the place of brokenness. We've all had those trials, those tribulations that bring us to a place where we have no more power even to weep, even to a place of great distress. How did David encourage himself in the Lord his God? How does one do that? How is it how is it possible that you can encourage yourself in the Lord your God? Well, I want to show you this morning from God's word how I believe that we can encourage ourselves. In the Lord our God. And you may not be in a place of brokenness this morning. You may not be in a place of great distress. Some of you may be, but you may not be. But remember this word, because when the troubles come, not if they come, when the storms come, when your trials come to your life, remember how it is that you're to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. I want to turn over to Psalm 103 this morning and show you from God's word how I believe that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Psalm 103. And verse 1 says these words, Psalm 103. I want you to get to it and read this together. Psalm 103, verse 1. It's a psalm of David. And this is what he says Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And then what does he say? And forget not, and forget not all his. Benefits. How do we encourage yourself in the Lord? We begin to remember the great things that the Lord has done in our lives. We begin to recall into our memory the great victories that Christ has wrought in our lives. We begin to look back over the years of serving Jesus and remember the great benefits that there has been when we recall to our mind. What are those benefits? If you're saved this morning... Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Are you saved this morning? This is something that you should remember. You've been forgiven. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus. What a victory that is this morning. So he began to remember everything of what God has done. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. diseases. Who redeemeth your life. From destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth judgment and righteousness for all those that are oppressed. So, what's happening in David's life? He come to a point of great trouble, great distress, great brokenness. And then he begins to remember what the Lord has done in his life. Do you remember this morning? Do you remember the pit that you were dug out of? Do you remember the pit that he delivered you from? Do you remember the sins that he's washed away? Do you remember that you're clothed and in your right mind this morning? Do you remember that you're washed in the blood? Do you remember your names in the last book of life? Do you remember your victory in Jesus this morning? And so he begins to recall everything of what the Lord has done. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 21. We see this principle in Scripture. When we're in the thick of it. When we're in the valley. When we're in the prison. When we're in the fire. When we're in the flood. When we're in times of great distress. we got to recall to our mind the great victories of the past. Lamentations 3 and 21. This I recall to my mind. And therefore I have what? Hope. Many people have got hope this morning. You've got hope in Jesus. This is what I remember. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions, they never fail. So He's starting to remember something. They are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, and therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope And quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I will recall to my mind the great things of what the Lord has done in my life. I will look back over the years of serving Jesus. And know that God is good. And his mercy endures forever. That he's the great deliverer. And the one who delivered me yesterday. He will deliver me today. I have to remember in the myth. this is not positive thinking. This is not somewhere over the rainbow there's a big pot of gold. This is a hope in Jesus this morning. He's a real God. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes. But we're in the battle. We're in the hour of great distress. We're in the time of great brokenness. And David begins to recall, I believe this, to his mind. The great things that the Lord has done. Psalm 77 and verse 6. Psalm 77 and verse 6. Turn over with me and look at this pattern again. Psalm 76, 7 sorry, and verse 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. It's a night hour. It's a dark hour. It's a troubled hour. But he recalls to his remembrance. I commune with my own heart. My spirit May a diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone? I mean, this is a conversation the psalmist is having in the darkest of night. Has God forgotten me? Has his mercies, have they ceased? And the trials and the tribulations, men will ask questions that are real that are blunt, that are honest, that are open. The book's an open book for all of us to read. There probably isn't a person in this room in the depths of their despair having cried out to God, God, are you there? Are you there, God? That's what he's crying. And he says, is your mercy cling gone forever? Doth his promise fail? Are the promises God? Are they failing? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And now he's beginning to think about it. It's the night hour. It's a time of distress. It's a time of brokenness. God, where's your mercy? What about your promises, God, that you've given us? What about your truth that never fails? And then this is what he says in verse 10. And I said this in my infirmity. When I was in the midst of this, I will remember... The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I'll remember when they couldn't go any further. And the sea's before them. And the devil's behind them. God makes a way when there is no way. I remember when I'm down in the dumps and in the depths of a prison house and the lions are all around me that God shut the lion's mouth and preserved me. I remember when I'm cast in to the fiery furnace and there's no hope that Jesus steps into the midst of the trial and he's with me. I recall this to my mind. And so it was that I believe the greatest way to encourage ourselves this morning is to remember what God has done. What's God done in your life? What's God done in your life? Everyone who knows Him as Lord and Savior. I want you to think about it this morning. Don't think about how, how troubled you are, how distressed you are, how broken you are, how hopeless you feel. I just want you to stop Peter for a moment. Think about the day he saved you. Think about the day he delivered you. Think about the day he healed you. Think about the day he touched you in the operating theatre. Think about the day he came through for you when you were bank robbed. Delivers no way out, but God delivered you. And so you begin to think and recall, remember what God has done. Remember the day he touched you. Remember your mind was so fragile that if someone hadn't touched you, you'd have fell to your knees and broken a thousand pieces. But somehow the Prince of Peace came into your heart and into your life and he'd give you peace. Remember when there was no defense when you were open. And all the onslaughts of the enemy and the fiery darts and the trickery. And all the onslaughts of hell are against you. And then somehow when that enemy came in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord raised up a standard against him. It's real this morning friends. I'm not hoping and just something out there. I'm not singing somewhere over the rainbow. Friends, we've got a hope this morning. This isn't positive thinking. This isn't mind over matter. This is his word this morning. And his word is true. And so it comes to David. And we look at his life and we see it for the reality in his life. When David comes to his first and great notable battle in Scripture... That's read by many, acted out by our kids. When our kids were we, we used to act this out. I've told you before in our front living room. When Jack was just five, I used to be Goliath and he used to be David. And I know many times he used to take me out and he used to love it when he watched me fall. And the big cheer went up and the kids would roar. When we were in India a year ago, we got Trevor to be Goliath. Remember now, Trevor was Goliath and down he went and all the wee kids that were all. this is brilliant. But friends, it's not just something out of Enid Blyton or the Red Hand Gang. It's the reality of an almighty God. It's God Almighty stepping into the field and winning the victories for us time and time and time again. We look at the life of David, 1 Samuel 17, verse 37. You know the whole story very well. But when he comes to that great battle, when he comes up against that giant, this isn't his first victory. He had to remember that he'd battled before. This isn't his first battle. He'd battled before. And in 1 Samuel 17, 37, David said moreover, See the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. When he's up against it and the giant standing there in all his might and all his power with all his fury. And David's standing there. I know in that heart of that young man, it must his heart must have been panting and beating and beating and beating. But what he knew was, I tell you, I've been in this before. I've been in this valley before. I've been in this fight before. And see the God that delivered me from the land. And see the God that delivered me from the bear. He's the God that's going to deliver me from the giant. He recalled to his mind, he drew from the wells of salvation. There's victory from Jesus Christ. We gotta remember what he's done. Has he done anything in your life, Judith? Can you remember the victories, Carson? Can you remember the great triumphs, Brian, Carol, Neil, Eichlin? Can you remember, Johnny, the day healed you from epilepsy? Can you remember the times you were broken and God stepped in and gave you the victory? Well, the same God to give you the victory yesterday, he'll give you today. He'll give you today. The Holy Ghost is upon David. And this is crucial. This is crucial for us today. Without the Holy Ghost, nothing's happening. Without the Holy Ghost, listen, what happens? Nothing. We have activity. We have even prayers. We have even preaching. We have even singing. We have even activity. But without the Holy Ghost, we're just going around in a a circle around a mountain. We need the Holy Ghost. David standing in his father's house, and Samuel the prophet comes, pours the horn of oil, that type of the Holy Ghost, upon him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. How we need a fresh anointing. We need a fresh anointing because the anointing brings the victory, it brings what God has done in the past. Jesus said us to us in John 16 and 15 concerning the Holy Spirit, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine. And what will he do? He'll show it to you. In other words, it's dark. I can't see a way through. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm in the depths of this. I'm like David. I'm greatly distressed and I'm broken. How am I going to see a way through? Get a plan together. Sing a few songs and hope something happens. No, we need the Holy Ghost to come. Why? Because he'll bring the victories of the cross and the freshness of Calvary into your heart and you'll rise out of the ashes and say in Jesus' name we have the victory. Without the Holy Ghost there's nothing. We walk around like men most miserable, but with the Holy Ghost, he brings the revelation of Jesus and all the victories there are in the cross. You see, we can mope around. We're good at it. We can mope around. We can do the self-pity parties. I can get in the corner. I can do a better self-pity party than everyone else in this room. Ask Nicky. I can do it better than you all. I know what it is to get the quilt and pull it over your head and say, I'm not coming out. And Nicky says, but you have to, you've been in there for a week. It's Sunday morning, you're preaching, what? I know how to have a self-pity party. And don't sit there pretending you've never had one. We're good at playing church, aren't we? But it's real. But I tell you, friends, we need the Holy Ghost. I tell you, I know that I'm a wee bit more excited than usual. I tell you why. Because this morning, I felt a turn in my heart, and it was the hand of the living God! When he turns it in your heart, it's turned. You've got to walk in it then. And so in all of this, you see his life. This was common in the life of David, to recall the mercy of God. This has nothing to do with us trying to, you know, put our shoulders back, put our tie up, and try to get through it. Friends, it doesn't work. If there's one thing that God hates, it's pretense. Just pretending that we've got the joy and the victory and we've got it all and we're trying to get through it and it's crushing us. God wants to give us a real victory. God wants to give us a real victory this morning. You see, in that life, it was common to recall the mercy of God, to look back on what God has done. A real God who brought real hope, who brought real deliverance, who brought real victory. And this God's here this morning. He's here in this room this morning. He hasn't changed. When David had a death sentence on his life from the king, that was King Saul. Saul said, I'll not do anything. I'm not going to stop until I kill him. King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 31. Have you turned to it? Think about this this morning. Here's David who went out and fought on behalf of the king to overthrow that great giant. And now the same king is said, I'm not going to stop until he's dead. 1 Samuel 20, 31, Saul speaking to Jonathan, and he says these words, For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Wherefore, now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. He'll surely die. He's got a death sentence. A death sentence on his life. The mischief of Saul. All the games, all the apparatus, all the jealousies, all the envies, all the strifes. I'll get him. I'll get him eventually. If it's the last thing I do, I'll kill David. And David flees for his life. He's running for days. He hasn't eaten. He's hungry. He's fearful. He can't hide anywhere. Why? Because everybody knows David. Everybody knows him. Remember they used to sing, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his Tens of thousands. And now he's nowhere to go. He's nowhere to hide. He's hiding in holes and dens. He's hungry. And he's on the run from King Saul. And he had a good friend. A friend like Jonathan. A loyal friend. An honest friend. Someone who would look out for him. Someone who'd watch his back. Someone who'd stand and say, David, No matter what happens here, I tell you you need friends like that, folks. You need friends like that. You need friends to say, see, no matter what happens, I'm gonna be with you. Know what normally happens? See when trouble comes and it doesn't look too good, Big Lad's not gonna make it. It was nice knowing you. Jonathan comes. David's hiding in a den. And the wee lad has the arrows, you know the story. He's shooting the arrows. And suddenly they're left alone. And David comes out of the hole. He comes out. Of, this is King David. This is this is the king to come. This is the man that has a heart after he's after God's own heart. And I believe he had a heart after God, too. This is a man that loved the Lord. This is a man that wanted to serve God. This is a man that had a jealousy for God and his honor and his name. And he's living in a hole. He's hiding from the enemy. And 1 Samuel 21 and verse 8. It says, and David said, he comes to the priest. or He comes unto Ahimelech and said, And is there not here under thine hand a spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons, as is David speaking with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slayest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And this is what David said, Listen, there is none like that. You give that to me. What's he saying? Is it because there was a splendid looking sword that he wanted to hang on his wall as an ornament? said, Hey, look at this, everybody. What was coming, what was recalling to his memory, Peter? What was going through his heart? He's hungry. He's just taking the bread that he's not allowed to touch. He's so hungry. He's so broken. He's so weak. There's a death sentence on his life. He's living in holes. He's trying to hide from all the strategies of the enemy and the mischief of Saul. And now he comes in and he says, is there no weapons here? Himelech says, there's a weapon here. I need to show you something. What is it? It's the testimony of God's great victory before. David says, give me that. Give me that sword. I can see David. This is my opinion. I can see David standing there. He's weak. He's trembling. He's looking about him. Does anybody know him? And he takes Goliath's sword. And I believe he's looking at that sword. And he begins to recall. What was that day like? You remember the day? You remember that victory? Think about it. He had to be friends. He's just someone like you and me. He's no different. He begins to think back. Remember the day? Remember the day? The miracle came. Marguerite, the kidney came. He begins to remember. Remember. He begins to remember. I remember what God done. I can remember as I pulled up and I see this giant and all of Israel in the trenches not knowing where to turn. And I can remember going, my God, what is this? The world's backslidden. The church doesn't care. Everyone's just going about their business. How can this enemy do this to us? I can can remember when I went up and I said to Saul, I'll fight him. Who is this Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? He's recalling what God had done. I can remember when I went down and said, here, take this armor. I can't take Saul's armor. I can't go in my own strength. I can't go on my own ability. We can't just do it the way we've always done it. We need the power of God. He's beginning to remember as he goes out. I'm telling you, friends, he must have looked at that giant. And I know the, the power of God was upon him. But in his wee heart, when he looked up that stripling of a lad and seen the size of that giant, he must have went, My God, I need you. He must have in his heart. He must have said, God, I need you. He went over to that river. We know the story. He had to find the right stones. He had to have the right order. And as he plunges his hand into that river, and he's searching about to get those stones, and the army's here, and the enemy's here, and the glass in the middle. He's recalling to his mind everything that happened that day. And so he begins to look around in that river. He needs five smooth stones. And God in his provision put five smooth stones in the river. And he starts to pull them out and put them in his wee pocket. And then he's out standing in the field with a sling. And he picks one stone. He's recalling everything that happened that day. And as he put the stone in the sling. Friends, he had one shot at it. Before there was ever laser guided missiles. Let me tell you something. There's nobody like the Holy Spirit. And you see this young lad standing there. He's looking at the sword. And now he begins to weave and round and round. He's one go. And as that stone leaves that sling right in the forehead. What a shot. Listen, friends, you think gird up your armor is only about 100 years old. They began to sing, gird up your armor. We sing the old ones, goes right back to the valley of Elah. And they began to sing, and that giant, you know why I always done it, that the giant fell back. But the Bible tells us that the giant fell flat on his face. You imagine David standing there, and as he watches that stone leave that sling And he sees that stone going right across that earth with all the power and the accuracy guided by the Holy Spirit right into the forehead of the giant. You can see him. Suddenly he's starting to wobble. Then he drops his knees. Then he's on his face. And all of God's people begin to rejoice in the victory. David's remembering what happened. Not only that, friends. It wasn't enough that he brought him down to his face. David runs out into that field. He's remembering. He runs out onto that field and there's the biggest, fattest head you've ever seen in your life. And he gets the sword of Goliath and he lifts up that head. Sorry about this, but this is real. And he cuts off the head of Goliath. He stands up on his back with the sword of Goliath and the head of Goliath and shouts, Hallelujah! Amen. And all the armies begin to sing, there's victory for me. But you they did. <laughs> yeah. There's victory. He's remembering When he looked at the sword and said, there's none like this one. But he's running from his enemy. There's a death sentence on his life. But he begins to recall the victories of the past. This is what David said. He said in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord. Listen, he was in a hole he was being hounded by his enemy. He was rejected at times. And yet he said, when he was an old man, he looked back over his life and all the trials, tribulations, difficulties, rejections, hurts, agonies. Do you know what he said? Listen is what he said. The steps of a good man, they're completely ordered by God. They're ordered by God. And he delighteth in his way. Let me tell you more. Verse 24, this is what he said. Though he fall. Though he fall. Anybody ever fallen? Come on, anybody ever fallen? Slipped up? Made a mistake? Oh, come on, folks. Be honest this morning. Don't pretend sitting here, you know, like, oh, never me. God, forgive us from religion. Forgive us from trying to pretend we're all that. We're not all that. And so we've fallen. But as with David, though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Then he said these words I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. What a life! What a life! Have you fallen? Listen, have you fallen? Have you slipped up? Have you messed up? Though he fall, David said, he shall not utterly be cast down. The Proverbs 24 and 16, for a just man falleth seven times. This is what it says. And riseth up again. I tell you, there's a life in us can never be defeated. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. Micah 7 and 7. Therefore will I look unto the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, is what he said, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, when I sit in darkness, when I sit in the, as it's not about turning the lights off, but when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Psalm eighty four and seventeen, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence when I said, "My foot slips, thy mercy, O Lord, it held me up. I've been young, and now I am old, yet I've never seen the right, never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Who are the righteous? Who's the righteous? Come on, brothers, who are the righteous? Sometimes we We should boast that we are the righteousness of God because that's nothing to do with what we've done. It's to do with what he's done. I am the righteousness of God. I can't take that. What does that mean? What does it mean that you're the righteousness of God? Think about that this morning. This is one of the most profound truths of the new birth. Can I tell you what it means? I'll just show you very quickly. See, when you're saved, I know it's our suit here is from Matland, one of the best, but listen, see when you were saved, See, when you get saved, let me tell you, we came to God filthy, rotten. These were rags, filled with sin, a drunkard, a rebel, turned my back on everyone, turned my back on my own family, turned my back, wrecked my mother and father's heart, in the streets drunk when they're coming out of church, building bonfires, shouting at the top of my head, fighting with police, fighting with everyone. A mess! And I came to God a mess. Nobody done. He said, son, just take off them old filthy rags because I've got a robe for you. It's my robe of righteousness. Yeah. And so the devil comes and says, are you? No, no, not you. You just say, excuse me a wee second. Have you seen the robe I've got? It's the robes of Jesus. Don't you dare make an accusation against Christ because he has beaten the devil at Calvary. He's defeated the powers of hell. and I'm washed in the blood this morning. I'm not what I should be. But I tell your friends, one day I'll be like him. And we are the right. We are created in righteousness and true holiness. When you were born again, Peter, he gave you his righteousness. It imputed righteousness upon us this morning. It's the righteousness of Jesus. That's why this house should be lifting the roof off. Why? Because of us? No. All because of Him. The righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're saved this morning. You have the robes of Jesus on you. By faith this morning. But I don't feel like that. It's nothing to do with how you feel. It's what you believe this morning. I believe that he died. And that he was buried. And glory to God. He rose again. And one day he's coming. Oh glorious day. And so he's given me his righteousness. So David says. I've been young. Now I'm old. And I've never seen. Who's the righteous? Oh come on folks. You're nearly getting there. Who's the righteous? Would you say Amen. Don't be afraid to say amen. Don't be afraid to shout hallelujah. Isn't that right, Frank? Praise the Lord, yes. Don't you fall asleep now. The righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. We are his righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, Romans 4 and 6, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen. The righteousness of God. Can you, can you think of anything greater this morning? You know, the world might say, I remember. Oh, I, big, big Tim, I, weaves, wild and all the rest. Let me tell you something, friends. There's not a record of anything of what I did in heaven. Because there's one who is my righteousness at the right hand of God this morning, who ever liveth to make intercession for me. And I tell you, friends, my name's known in glory. So is yours if you're saved. He's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. In other words, God's never come up short once. Not once. I tell you, friends, not once. I, I challenge you this morning. You tell me. When's God ever failed you? And I tell you, if you, any believer in this room is about to get to their knee, get to their feet, and say, "I'm not sure, Tim," I want to tell you, you're believing a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. He's never failed, and he'll never fail, yeah. never. He'll never fail us ever. Never fail us, friends. He's faithful right to the very end. I've been young. And now I'm old. I've never, ever, ever in my life, in everything that I've gone through, he says, I've never, ever seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. How, how do we encourage yourself in the Lord? We begin to remember what he's done. Has the Lord done anything for you, what a silly question! Isn't it? Isn't it so? Isn't it so sad? Has the Lord done anything for you? When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done for me, my soul cries out, "Hallelujah! Praise God for saving me!" What has God done for you, Leanne, What's God done for you? Has God healed you? God saved you. God preserved. And let me tell you, friends, it just always hasn't been instant miracles. You hear what I'm saying? There's miracles sitting all over this room this morning. <coughs> instant miracles. But you know, when we begin to talk about our experiences in life, when we begin to look over, if you've been saved, and you begin to look over your life, you begin to look back, some five years, some ten years, Some 15 years, some 20 years, some 30 years, and so on and so on and so on. And you begin to look back over that life. People begin to say to you, tell me what happened there. Well, God came, but this didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. What What do you mean? Well, sometimes he came, And God took rather than give. Well, how did you get through that valley? How did you get through that dark time? How did you get through those years when it seemed like, how did you get through that? I know people say to us, oh, you were in India, and we still go, yeah. How did you get through those years? Friends, I want to tell you, if I ever write a book, I'm not going to plan one, just be pictures anyway, but see if I ever did, see if I ever did, Do you want want to know what I would call it? Great grace was upon them. Do you want to know why? How did you get through that valley? How did you get through that dark time? How did you get through that sickness? How did you get through that time of bereavement? How did you get through that time when it looked as though you'd lost everything and there was no hope? I'll tell you how we get through. It's the grace of God. What is that? Oh, well, that means I can... Friends, it's so cheap today. But see, when I look at it, and more and more I see it, the grace of God enables a person to do what they can't do themselves. It's impossible. I can't do it. I can't get through it. I can't make my way through it. I don't know even how. In the midst of it, you don't really have an answer. You don't really know what to say. Anyone been there? And then step by step, you're walking. Somehow you don't know how, and then suddenly you get a wee bit further down the road, sometimes months, sometimes years, sometimes decades, and then you look back and suddenly you say, that was the grace of God. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. What's brought us this far, Frank? It's grace. And what's going to lead us on home? The grace of God. How did you do it? How did you make it? It's grace. How did you get through that? I don't know how you coped. I'm looking at that on the outward and some of your circumstances going, how did they get through that? And Then I say, is the grace of God amazing? How did they make it? You know, we look back over the years, 13 coming, 14 years in this wee assembly. I tell your friends, I look back and go, how did some of you make it? How did you get through it? How did you go through those trials? And then time and time again, the revelation comes. God's grace. So sometimes, it's a miracle on a theater table. Sometimes, it's a mummy and a daughter at the brink of death, and only the miraculous hand of Almighty God stepping in that delivers a mummy and her wee baby, and it's great to hear the wee cries this morning. And sometimes it's an intervention of healing. Sometimes it's a supernatural opening of the windows and suddenly God... And then sometimes, brothers and sisters, there's great trials. There's great tribulation. How do you do it, Joanna? How do you do it? You know how you do it? You don't. It's God's grace. How do you do it? How do you work through it all? All the trials and the troubles of family and life and all the difficulties that are going on. How do you make it? Truly we can say this morning, grace, grace, God's grace. How do you make it? Peter, how do you make it through it all? It's the grace of God. How do you cope in it all? I don't know. Friends, many times, I have to be honest, many times I've come to a place and said, Lord, I can't do it. Many times, not just once or twice. A preacher said to me, never show your weakness on the platform. Friends, I want to be real with you. I want to be real with you. Many times this woman and me have said, God, we can't make it. Many times. Many times we look back and say, how will we make it? From the beginning right through. Many times. Friends, many times. How did you make it? Standing in a wee field, burying a wee baby in a shoebox. How would you do that Tim? I don't know. The grace of God. How do you cope? And all the trials and the buffetings and and, the, and everything that comes your way and sometimes you think you're about to go under, and all the water's coming on the ship. Sometimes they still just cry, Lord, would you save me? No big prayers, no big grandstanding, no big, I just say, Lord, help. You know what he does? He helps. The grace of God. How do we do it? Friends, I believe in many great miracles are coming. Many great miracles. I believe we will recover all. There's a second part to this message. It's going to be completely different to this one. Because an army that was about to implode rose up united with a purpose and pursued the enemy and recovered everything. How do you do it? The grace of God amazing grace. How sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. Friends, let's encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. What a mighty God we serve. Let's stand together this morning.